welcome to a new episode of Time to Shine. This is your host, Oscar Santolaya. Time to Shine presents you interviews with successful public speakers who share their experience and secrets with you in a weekly podcast. Hello, everybody. One year ago, November 2013, I was in Budapest attending the Toastmasters Fall Conference for Continental Europe. In one of the workshops, the speaker was teaching us how to give voice to our hands. Hmm. Using caricatures and making lots of examples with his own hands, he left the audience fascinated. Who was him? His name? Antonio Mesa. And today he is here to talk with us about storytelling. Antonio, how are you? Hello, Oscar. Uh, very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's nice to have you here, Antonio. Could you Thank tell you us... Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Could you tell us more about yourself and your projects? Yes, of course. As you said, I'm a member of Toastmasters. I've been in the organization since 2012. Um, but I have been working as a trainer since 2008. And that's really when I, when I started uh, training and also working as a, as a coach and training especially in the field of neurolinguistic programming. So I'm very interested on perception, on the science of perception, on behavior and how to support people to improve their relationships and communication. And I've been working with individuals and also with organizations, uh, foundations, NGOs, and some mm -hmm. companies. Um, that's one of the areas of my work. That's, let's say, half of my professional life. And the other half is that I am also an illustrator. So I, as you mentioned in your introduction, I do cartoons, not only for my workshops, but also I illustrate books and You know, I also do illustrations. For example, in um, in conferences or seminars, I do live uh, live sketching. So um, it's uh, an interesting life. I see. It's a very interesting mix of activities. So, when was your your career as public speaker starting? Well, part of it was in really in 2008 when we can say I started as a public speaker because I was starting to train, to offer trainings, and in order to do that, I was offering some workshops in my apartment in Paris. I was leading a group of neurolinguistic programming, a meetup group, so I was calling people every week, and I was delivering a workshop every single Tuesday for about four years on various topics uh, related to neurolinguistic programming, for example, decision-making, emotional intelligence, body language, um, you name it. There were m many different topics and we were always preparing a new workshop and exercises and preparing exercises and leading the experience for a group of between 10 to 15 people. So I got a lot of practice during those years and at the same time I was starting to work as a consultant and as a trainer for different uh, seminars. So we can say that's that's when when I started and now today I am 
independent and I work for different or, or organizations. I'm an independent uh, freelance uh, trainer. I'm also developing some trainings of, of my own right now. I offer some webinars every every month. Mm -hmm. So I'm preparing some content on the topic of success. So it's called Smart Skills for Success. And I'm developing different uh, workshops and exercises related to different skills in order to be more successful in, in the area that you want to be. Could you tell us briefly one stage fry moment that you experienced? Yes. You know, I, it hasn't happened uh, lately, I mean, in the, in the past few years, that when uh, when you ask me this question, the moment that, that comes to my mind is really when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I have a very vivid memory of a moment when I was supposed to uh, deliver this poem for some school festival. I don't remember, maybe it was like a Mother's Day festival or something <laughs> like that. I was supposed to say this poem and I got there and I just couldn't speak at all. It, I, was, I was totally paralyzed. Now, I was a kid, I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight year old. Um, I also understand that a lot of people have that same experience even in their adult life. Um, I don't know exactly what happened, but one thing that happened as I grew, as I grew up, is that I trained in different, let's say, stage disciplines like uh, theater and, and dance. Um, so I, I guess little by little, the act of going on stage was less frightening in, in itself. And then the stage became more like a home. Mm -hmm. More like a place of meeting with people that are that it's more of a, a meeting place. It's, like, it's, it's more like a meeting place rather than an exposure place. Mm -hmm. So, I think a lot of people get, get stage fright because they feel exposed, because they think or they see the stage as a, an exposure place. But if you step into the stage more like a meeting place, like a place where you are offering a gift and you are offering an experience to a group of people that can be a group of friends, then the whole experience becomes more uh, comfortable. The whole experience becomes more, more nice and you can, have, you can have a good time, you can have a blast as a speaker or as a musician or as an uh, actor. Um, but I guess we all public speakers are a little bit like, like actors. We all have some kind of speaking persona at the same time that is not necessarily your your daily life self but you have your your speaking persona you deliver you you know how to use your body you know how to use your voice you create some kind of character and that character comes to life on that stage so i guess the way to overcome the the stage fright is to build that character to be comfortable using that character and stepping on stage and looking at the stage as a meeting place for the place that you're going to or the place where you are going to offer a gift meeting place that's very very interesting idea yeah, thank you very much and also the, the the fact you mentioned that um, 
having this meeting place um, a variety of dogs, as you have in many different kind of stages. Like you mm -hmm. are nowadays a all-terrain speaker. <laughs> mm -hmm. The next well, question there's, is this. Um, uh, one thing I would like to add. You know, a stage, we're very, very uh, used to think about a stage as a place that is in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. But what if the stage is like in a circus, in the middle of the audience? Yes. Or what if you're speaking in a restaurant, in the middle of tables of people that are eating? What if the, you know, the, the stage can have many different forms? Now, for example, I'm, I'm experiencing uh, the webinars, and there's no physical stage, but mm -hmm. there is a space that I create with my voice and the time that is the place where I... Where, that I used to direct the experience. So there's some kind of virtual stage. It's not a physical stage, but it's kind of a virtual stage. So that's what, that's what I mean when I said that it's a place, a meeting place, because it's the place where you converge. It's the place where your ideas and, and the brains of the audience meet, or where the questions of the audience also meet with what you know or what you don't know. Yeah, another great point. Antonio, is storytelling important for everybody? So everybody should learn it? Is it important to everybody? The absolute answer is yes. It is important for everybody and it's important through history. Um, it's almost one of the things that makes us human. Mm -hmm. Storytelling. Because Stories are the vehicle that we use to transmit beliefs to other people. So stories are a way to communicate and a way to transfer culture. Inside of those stories are embedded the beliefs that we have, are embedded the values that we have, that we want to transmit. Why is it important for a hero to be courageous? Why is it important for a heroine in a story to be a uh, good person, <clears throat> to be kind. Uh, why is it important to um, transcend a situation? Why is it, why is it important to uh, go against certain uh, oppressive situation? Any kind of story has a message that it is important for us. And even if it is um, a children's story, it always has embedded a message and values and beliefs. Even if you don't say the moral of the story in the end, the moral of the story is still in there. And our brains, our human brains, are programmed like mm -hmm. a, like a, almost like a computer to capture that essence, that message. Our brains work thanks to our beliefs. You wouldn't do any action of your day if you didn't believe that it was possible. We take it for granted, but the fact that we can walk is because we internally we believe that we can walk. Mm -hmm. If you didn't, even if you were capable, if you didn't believe it, then you wouldn't do it. Yeah, you wouldn't try, yes. You wouldn't even try. Mm. So, our brains are very good at understanding relationships relationships of cause and consequence. 
In other words, if something happens, then something else will happen. For example, let's say if I'm holding a cup and I open my hand, mm -hmm. then the cup will fall. Mm -hmm. We learned that through experience when we're, when we're little people. But our brain captures that information and constructs a belief. Therefore, when we learn how to hold a cup in our hand and to drink from it, then we know that we have to keep it in our hand until we put it back on the table and then we can release the cup. All those little details in our behavior, all those little actions are ruled by beliefs. Then all the complex behaviors, all our plans, our projects for the future, our beliefs about the past, our memories, everything has a different tonality under the light of our beliefs. And the way we transmit beliefs to our children, to the next generations, is with stories. So today we use stories to convince people about buying something, to convince people about investing in a project, to convince people about supporting a cause. Mm -hmm. um, stories are a wonderful tool for persuasion um, because people love to listen to stories because we have been listening to stories since we are very, very small kids. And because, as I said, our brains are programmed to understand stories and are captivated by stories. I'll tell you something, because our brains really want to get the whole story, that's the, that's the essence of suspense. If you tell your brain half of the story, there was a little girl that lived with her grandmother, and then she went into the forest, and then she found a wolf. If I tell you just that, that, well, I'll tell you the rest of the story tomorrow, it's almost impossible that you're not going to be curious <laughs> about it. Because your brain really wants, your brain really wants to construct the other part of the belief. Your brain really wants to understand what happens when you go alone into the forest and you meet a wolf when you're a little girl. And until you don't get a closure for that story. There are different uh, possibilities. One, you're going to be like restless that you really want to know, or you're going to make it up yourself. So you're, you can start making your own possibilities of closure for the story, but your brain really mm -hmm. needs closure. And that's one of the most important facts about stories for speech crafting. When you tell a story, the brain really wants to have the closure. That's why sometimes, for example, we start a story in the beginning of a speech and then we deliver another little piece halfway into the speech and we don't give the closure until the end of the speech. It's a way to keep people interested because the brain wants to understand the beliefs that you are transferring or that you are communicating with your speech. So I think it's important for everybody and I think every every person that wants to be a public speaker or a trainer should learn how to craft and how to use good stories and how to 
disperse them um, to the audience when they're on stage. Antonio, in what is the most important thing to make storytelling effective when you are on the stage? Effective. First of all, I think you, you need to know yourself as a speaker. What do you want the story to be effective for? Mm -hmm. Do you want the story to communicate some information? Do you want the story to warm up the audience? Do you want the story to be engaging or touching? And what is, what is the purpose of your speech in the first place? So you want the story to support the speech. You want the story to bring the audience closer to where you want them to be. So the most important thing in a story is that it delivers values that resonate with your audience values. So when you're thinking about which story to tell, you have to use your empathy, put yourself into the seat of the audience and think about your audience. Think about what kind of audience I am talking about. What, are, what do they want? What are their values? What do, what do they believe? And then, Is my story going to be effective for that particular audience? Is my story connecting with the right kind of values for this audience? So I think empathy and paying attention to the values of the audience is the most important thing. I heard many times tell a personal story, but often we don't find good stories of ourselves. What is the best approach to find and create good personal stories? Well, the way to evaluate if, if one of your stories is a good story or is a bad story is very subjective. Sometimes we are the worst evaluators of our own stories. <laughs> But that has to do with the kind of beliefs that we have about, about ourselves. It's the same thing when we see a portrait of ourselves. And if we don't have a very good self-image or or beliefs about our, our own image, then we're not going to like the picture, even if the picture is great. Mm -hmm. It's the same with stories. We all have stories that connect with other people, but sometimes we are not the best people to evaluate them. So the first thing is not to be judgmental with your own stories and just to capture them. Um, a lot of people recommend, and I think I, I, I agree with this piece of advice, is that you create some kind of document or or notebook of personal stories and you just collect them mm -hmm. some of them are sad some of them are funny some of them you say well i don't know what this story is good about but i just put it here but first of all it's important for you to become aware of your own story so you collect them and they don't have to be epic stories but they they can be just very simple stories, very, very um, daily life kind of stories can be also very interesting and can connect with a, a huge audience. If you think about it, what, what makes you connect with an audience that in principle is very different than you? So for example, I am a Mexican man, well, coming from Mexico, middle class, with some education, and what if I am suddenly in front of an audience with, I don't know, uh, mostly, let's say, European or Nordic uh, audience, um, 
with a very different socioeconomic status and different business experience, etc. So what connects me with them? What connects me with them is that we are all humans and we connect with very similar values. Very often we care about family, very often we care about happiness, very often we care about success, very often we care about being or creating a better world or a better life than the one that we are living on. And I can find a story in my life that supports that. And if I can find a story in my life that supports those kind of messages and I know how to introduce it into the speech, then they're going to connect with it. Because it doesn't matter if my story happens in the Mexican Caribbean and their, their experience of daily life is you know, in the north of Norway. Yes, the context is very different, but sometimes what we strive for in life is very similar. So don't be judgmental with your own stories. Capture your own stories. Be aware of them. And when you need them, then choose the right ones according to the audience. You can also ask for advice um, from friends and especially colleagues that are good at public speaking. As I said, sometimes we are not the best judges of our own story. So if you offer a friend of yours, well, here I have these three to five stories. What do you think? Mm-hmm. You receive feedback. Sure, in, sure. In, in Toastmasters, that's one of the main things that we do is to offer and receive feedback. So receive feedback on your stories and you will start changing a little bit your perception about which ones are good and why and which ones are not so good, and why. A um, friend of mine, more than a friend, he's been my, my mentor in, in public speaking, Bob Mo. he used a very simple story about a spider that had created a net in his home to construct a whole inspirational speech. And it was very beautiful. So we can all relate to... To that experience, even if we, we probably, I, I haven't had any spider as a pet in my life, but <laughs> I can relate to the fact of having pets or I can relate to the fact of starting or creating a relationship with somebody out of myself, then I can connect with his story. Excellent. Yeah. At some point I have thought of one idea like that, have an arsenal of your own stories and find a way to to build these stories. But as you say, one of the best ways is to, to share, to get some early feedback. So mm-hmm. that's a great piece of advice. Antonio, could you share with us your favorite quotation? One that often comes to my mind and that helps me a lot is a quotation from Samuel Beckett. Try again, fail again, fail better. <laughs> Actually, it's a little bit longer. Is like ever, ever, ever tried and failed. Ever failed. It doesn't matter. Try again. Fail again. Fail better. And that's something that is very inspiring for me because I like the idea of failing better. I like the idea of today I can do better than I did yesterday. And it's probably not going to be as good as tomorrow, but that's great because that means that tomorrow I can do better than today. It means that I can 
I'm in the process of self-improving, constant self-improving, and that I can strive for always better without having to stay stuck in perfection. So I really, I really appreciate that quote. Really inspiring. Antonio, could you recommend us one book that has inspired you and you think our listeners should read it? You know, for people that are interested in public speaking, there is a book that I consider almost indispensable. Uh, it's called Resonate by Nancy Duarte. It is a great book to prepare presentations, to understand how to integrate stories into speeches, and to understand the cycle of the hero's journey, how to use that concept of the hero's journey into, into speech, into a presentation, and how to take your audience into a hero's journey with you, with your speech. It's called Resonate by Nancy Duarte. That's, that's one of the most helpful, helpful books that I have uh, encountered in my, in my life as a trainer and public speaker. Mm, yes, I read uh, the previous book as in his first book. It's Slideology, right? Uh -huh, Slideology. Yes, yeah. I haven't heard this one, but yeah, I heard about this resonate many times, so I really have to read it. Yeah, that uh, is one book that goes beyond the slides and goes more into the structure of a presentation. And as I said, also it helps you to understand how to integrate stories. Now, that's really just a book for for everybody who wants to understand how to create a better presentation. Antonio, this is almost the end of the interview. Before that, I would like to ask you a routine to shine. Could you share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend to do it daily or weekly as a routine to shine? This exercise, I don't, I don't know what's the, the name of this exercise, but this exercise is about thinking about different options. I don't know if you have done or you have heard about improv comedy, but have you? Uh, improv, improv theater, improvisation theater. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So I did a little bit of, of improv comedy and I even taught the basic principles of improv comedy. And it's great. It's a great um, discipline to integrate storytelling, by the way, uh, because you're creating stories on the spot mm -hmm. with somebody else. But there's an exercise there mm -hmm. inside of improv comedy that I really like that is called Make Another Choice. And it's really interesting. Imagine that we are in a scene, so, and you say, well, Antonio, would you like a um, piece of chocolate cake? And then I tell you, make another choice. <laughs> so you say, well, Antonio, would you like a bowl of soup? And we can continue building the scene. And at any given point, I tell you, make another choice. And you just have to change. Mm -hmm. It's a great exercise for flexibility. And I remembered that exercise because, um, because the actual exercise that I want you to recommend, you ask for an exercise to shine. The exercise to shine is to play make another choice with yourself by the end of the day. So by the end of the day, think about three things that you did in the day and think about how could you have done them differently? What could you have done differently and how? 
If you do this every day, very soon you're going to start about thinking about different possibilities on the spot. And there's no better way to shine because you will have more choices on the spot when you are, you know, working or with your colleagues or with your family and, and any point, any point that you want to shine, as you said, you will have more options about how you want to behave and what are the things that you want to say. You will be reacting less and acting more. So um, practice, make another choice with yourself and improve the quality of your choices. Every day. Every day. That, that's an excellent routine to do, to do daily. Yeah, I think it is a, it is a very good one. Uh, oftentimes in my work as a coach, I also ask people to have a gratitude journal. And that's something that a lot of people know. By the end of the day, you think about the things that you can be grateful for. It's like counting mm -hmm. your blessings every day. Yes. And, you know, that's, that's also a wonderful exercise just because it helps you to appreciate how you live your life and appreciate how your life happened today. If you add then, I can be grateful for these three things and I could have done different these other three things, then I think you are in a self-improvement path uh, every day. Great. Antonio, thank you very much for the interview. It has been really, really inspiring. Lots of information you are sharing with us and I'm sure for everybody who wants to improve in storytelling and other aspects, there's been a lot of excellent things to learn from this interview. Thank you, very, Thank much. you very much, Oscar. Before saying goodbye, could you tell us how our listeners can follow you or learn more about you? Yes. I have a professional trainer and coach website. And um, the address is uh, Acrobatas, and that you write that with an A-K-R-O-B-A-T-A-S. So Acrobatas with a K. Dot com. And that's where I publish my my blog as well. I have a um, I have a page on Facebook. Also, I'm I'm also in Twitter, though I don't tweet that often. Mm -hmm. I also I'm also on Twitter. Well, there are Krobatas. and that's how you can reach my activity as a trainer and as a coach. There's also my work as a cartoon artist, and for that I have a different website. Is Antunes. A N T O O N S dot net. And that's where I show the illustrations that I do for different books or sometimes for, for speakers, for, pre for presentations, uh, storyboards, or live sketching for seminars. Um, so that's also um, another part of my activity that I'm also very happy to be doing and to be sharing with everybody. Excellent. Thank you very much, Antonio, and have a nice day. Thank you, Oscar. Dear listeners of Time to Shine, this is the end of today's episode. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or for more information, visit our website www.timetoshinepodcast.com. Welcome to listen to us again next week.